I'm nervous. He's got that look, on it. Look, look at him. He's got that look of value, hasn't he? He's got uh, and listen, this is a serious story, so I want you to be adult. No, okay, snigger, no sniggering. What time is it? Is kids in the car? No. No, not yet. Uh, not yet. It's, it's with a heavy heart I announced that the world's first vagina museum is closing. <laughs> it, it's clo- yeah, it's closing. I, I mean, it, it was previously shut once a week every month anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, no. That's a bit stiff. What do you mean? That's a bit stiff. No, that's the way... That's the way it works. Yeah, so look, let's be adult about this. It's a vagina yeah, museum, and they obviously showcase vaginas throughout the ages. Of course, you, you, you need a machete to get through the 1980s section. <laughs> Don't even talk about 1970s. <laughs> 1970s, good Lord. That could take your eye out. You know when you look at paintings and they... The eyes sometimes follow you around the room. <laughs> yeah. No, Just so. be very careful what you look at. How's that? It's it's, it's incredible. Why is, why is it closing? Why is it closing? I, I'm, I'm surprised. I would have thought it had been quite popular, especially with teenage boys. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a great school excursion. <laughs> okay, where are we going? <laughs> uh, we're going to the Vagina Museum. Okay. Meet <laughs> <laughs> you there. That's of course a lot of men don't know what to do with that museum. And you know what? There's also a giant dick museum uh, that's in Canberra. It's called Parliament House. That's called, it's called question. It's called question time. <laughs> All right, I think we're done. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Let's wrap. You know it what up. I did? Hey, you know what I did? Oh, no. so, oh, you know, listen. This is a true story. You know, Mona. Yeah, the great <laughs> exhibition in Tassie. It's got uh, they've moulded vaginas and they put them on the wall, and that, so they'll have about eight of them in a row. And you you go down. It's like you know, like those ducks you have on the on the wall <laughs> in your in your kitchen. But it's, well, they're vaginas. But I, I I used to loiter around that section and wait for people to come past, and then I'd pretend I knew them. Oh look, it's Cindy. Oh look, <laughs> it's it's Jenny. <laughs> oh, Taylor's here. <laughs> All let's right. Let, oh, let's go. Tick-tock, <laughs> <laughs> tick-tock. Checking the latest online. <laughs> it's Mick Talk. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? What were you on doing when you were, were, what were you doing when you recorded that opener? I don't know. <laughs> Getting electrocuted? Someone explain what's going <laughs> on <laughs> in, the, in, in, in the Mick Talk opener. <laughs> Please, give us a call. You know what's happening there. <laughs> hey, uh, I love it, though. Uh, I've been scouring all the, the platforms, all the social media sites. I'll tell you what's trending. Uh, you can – this – and I'm just not okay with this. Uh, plants dressing up as beef. <laughs> you can pay $80 for a vegan tenderloin. Uh, one question. Why? Mm. Why would you do it? Go get a friggin' tenderloin, you dickhead. <laughs> like $80 is more than an actual tenderloin. So oh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a plant, disguise it as a tenderloin, and pay more money than I would for an actual tenderloin. Did I miss oh. a meeting? The, the world's no. lost its mind. The world has gone bananas. The world has this gone is, crazy. Oh, a banana. It's probably a plant-based banana. Oh, it <laughs> would be. The world's, the world's first plant-based beef loin. 
Her company, Juicy Marbles, uh, boo, boo, has released a new vegan meat product, the world's first plant-based loin, mostly made from soy. It's like a big turd. Look at it. It's like a. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like someone's. It's like they've dropped a log. And charged you 80 bucks for it. It's like someone's parked a loaf and said, that'll be, there's 80 bucks. And by the way, that'd be tastier than a plant-based tenderloin. Like, hey, listen, stay in your lane. You, yeah. you want to be a vegan, be a vegan, but don't pretend no. you're a meat eater. It's either or, just give it a rest. Yep. It's a 765-gram slab of ultra-realistic meat substitute. Ching, that'll be 80 bucks. Who's buying that? What kind of giant knob would fork out 80 bucks for a plant masquerading as a bit of meat? I don't know. Am I the only one here? What's going on? Maybe, maybe meat eaters have got to fight back. And let's get a bit of, a bit of steak you know, and dress it up as a, a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll teach them a lesson. <laughs> hey? hey. A giant rissole that looks like a cantaloupe. Oh, here you go, guys. Oh, yum, yum. Eh? That's messing with your mind. Isn't it? <laughs> Stay in your friggin' lane. Stay you want to be a vegan, be a vegan, but get your hands off our meat. To fill us in as to what the hell is going on in his tired there, see, there you go before you say my Glenn name. That's not Robbins. appropriate. Nice to be here, Glenn Robbins, if you didn't realise that. We haven't met before, MG, and I and I was saying off air, I don't know whether to call you Mark or MG, and yes. you were saying that only your mum calls you Mark. Yeah, she actually calls, my, calls me Marky. Marky. Marky, yeah. My mum's the only one who calls me Michael. So yeah. if anyone calls me Michael, I automatically think okay. I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Michael! My mum's in jail, so I haven't spoken to her for a while. Um, uh, Michael, put that down. Here's my favourite. No, Michael, you're not funny. No, Michael, that's not smart. Well, when we, when Mick and I shared a room in Tasmania, he uh, he wanted to get to the to the. Do you know the story? No, you tell you tell us. Where, Mick Mick likes to have a cigarette late at night, and I went to bed a bit early, and then Mick came back to his room and wanted to get to the balcony to have a cigarette, and. And I get woken up about two o'clock in the morning by a naked Mick Malloy with with a cigarette, and <laughs> and I had yeah the only thing that moved him I went Michael, Michael, <laughs> this is not funny. Go back to your bed. This is down at Bamboogle, down at down at uh, Tasmania, down in Tasmania. You, uh, yeah. you were you were slightly thrown when you woke up, and I was standing naked at the end of bed smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't be? Seriously, is that the worst horror? Anyway, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm not. What no. are you up to? What, what are you? True or false? I heard this the other day. Yes, I know you love golf. We've been. We're just talking yeah. about a golf trip we took yeah. together. Yeah, we took many uh, uh, over the journey. And did you or did you not recently play a round of golf with AFL legend Jonathan Brown? Yes, uh, I don't know whether you guys know who Jonathan Brown is, but he used to play for. He's like he's like a Melbourne to me. He's like a Melbourne MG. I think they're okay. both of similar. Yeah, how, how tall? How tall are you, MG? Uh, six five. You are not. Yeah. Seriously, I'd like to give you a hug right now. I love to, <laughs> I love hugging All big right. guys. All right, you okay, too. seriously. I'll give so, you a moment. So so um. Uh, we're playing golf and I'm playing really well. Uh, I've, okay, one over the cut on the front, whatever. Uh, and uh, and uh, they're like six down uh, on, on the turn. Um, 
And I say to Jonathan, as a bit of a joke, if this was a football match and we're opponents, you would probably let me know that you're not happy. Yeah. Why don't you give me, as you walk past me, a little, like a little love tap, but, you know, a love tap, a little bump, a little yeah. something yeah. that the umpire would not see. Now, I emphasize that, right? <laughs> right. Now, so I walk Just ahead of him. I, I walk ahead of him up to the next tee. It was like being hit by a refrigerator. Seriously, <laughs> I got whiplash. I, I nearly went down. I had to take some Nurofen. I, I did get him to give me a massage at the, at, at, after the game. It was serious. You, you, I can't believe. I have such respect when you guys get hit hard by another big bloke, big yeah. beefy bloke. Who was the hardest bloke that ever hit you, MG? Oh, Glennie, you know what? I, I have a, over a 15 year period I, when I'm playing against guys who are 110 kilos. I think there's a guy called Les Davidson who was the biggest hitter that I ever come across. And he was, he, he was the only bloke that I saw in the defensive line, and I never ran at him. I ran the other way because I didn't want to. So, were you, ge- you were genuinely scared of him? I was petrified of him. And uh, and so so and do you talk off field? Because I always I always wonder about football. I always see them going at each other, and then I see them shake hands at the end and go, "What's going on here? How can they nearly kill each other?" And park it. And yeah, how do they do that? Did you were you like that? Yeah, I, I I definitely was. I think that what was on the field stays on the field, and once you come off the field, as soon as you cross that white line and go to your dressing room, no matter whether you've won, lost, or drawn, you should go back to the respective clubs, um, clubhouse or leagues club, and have a beer together. I think that's that's part of the game. It's like me and radio. What happens on air stays on air, but as soon as the show's over, <laughs> we, we kiss and make So up. anyway, I had a thought. What, what, what yeah. we could chat about on the radio, what have you done with a professional? In other words, what have you done with someone who's really good at what they do, and then you realise you go, oh, I thought I was you know, up to this, <laughs> uh, and you realise that you're not. When you realise how good these people I got in the ring with an ex-professional boxer. Oh, well, man. that's a stupid thing to do. But he was, he was, like, he was like nearly 70. <laughs> I'm serious. So I'm serious. And I'm going, why did you turn up? And he, and he goes, come, let's get in the ring. And I threw a punch. I smacked him right in the head, right? Right. And then he goes, it's all right. And I, and I smacked him again, like three times. He goes, it's all right. Then I gave him a couple of something. Oh, I'm, I'm going to kill this guy. So, so, so then he goes, and he gets me in the corner. And he beats the crap boogie, out of me. Booga da booga da booga booga da booga da booga da booga da I'm going, stop, ow, 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 stop, stop. Tap out. You should have known his age when you found out the ringside doctor was checking his prostate between rounds. What about you, MG? You've done something with a professional? You've mentioned before. Yeah, I remember I went to Bathurst uh, when I was playing and they said, look, do you want to um, do this advanced driving course? Yeah. I said, yeah. I said, who's it with? Yeah. They said, Alan Moffat. I went, oh, wow, okay. So at first I, I was in a car doing these manoeuvres around Mount Panorama and uh, I was doing about 140 k's thinking I was, you know, shit hot. And then all of a sudden Alan Moffat said, come for a, a, a lap with me. Oh, oh, man, doing doing 350 k's down Conrod Strait and yeah. going into the S-Bends and, you know, the chicanes they call them and, no, I, I realised quickly then that this guy is the bee's knees, and me doing 110 along the M4 was was nothing. Yeah. This, this was this guy is good. This it's, an, is good. it's another league, isn't it? And when I do one of those fast laps, I like to get back to the cockpit and go, "That's pretty good, but not how I would have done it." But anyway, good work, Sonny. <laughs> but I was I did I did a training thing the other day with uh, I won't mention. Oh, I'll mention it with Audi, and we got to drive the Audis. And when you drive, because those cars actually do everything for you. 
They they are just incredible. Mick, I know you know drive sure. since the incident. Yeah, well. um, uh, we won't talk about that. Oh, no, but that's another one. Why, why does Mick not drive? Um, uh, and uh, No, but he, I got him with a fresh – he drove with one finger. Seriously, one finger. On the steering wheel, don't get me wrong. But yeah. <laughs> Going, I thought I was good. You guys can do it with one finger. Anyway. I saw Dave. I did a lap with Dave Reynolds once, and I'm going, it was fast and it was professional, but I wanted to see him change the radio station at the same time or, 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 or pick, take the pickles off his cheeseburger while, while he was doing it. Yeah, drive hey, with his knee. When you, when you talk about uh, doing something with a professional, you, I know, are good friends with Shane Warne, yes. and he used to bowl at you in the yes. nets. Remember, yeah. we were talking, we, we do a lot of golf trips together, but mm. we were both together when we heard the news. Yeah. How about mm. Shane Warne? We were, we were on a golf trip at King Island, mm. And I, my memory is of my phone pinging at about six in the morning and mm. going bonkers. And I mm. go, straight away, I go, that can't be good news. Yeah. Uh, you knew something was wrong. I got up. I Before I did it, I just checked the news feed, and there it was. Yeah. Wow. Straight off the bat, then oh, there's a knock on my door, and yeah. you came in, yeah, and just... you sat down, and you looked absolutely mm. shell-shocked. Mm. We couldn't believe it. In fact, we was out. I remember we were out playing golf that day, and every third or fourth hole, you'd stop and go, "Oh my God, that's right." The Shane, reality Shane, came back. Shane yeah. passed. It was a, it was quite a significant moment, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it yeah, being in a in a, in a in a different place. But having said that, I was with friends of of Mix, which yeah, was probably yeah, the best yeah. place to be. And we and I played a lot of golf with Shane. And to be on a golfing trip, Shane would have been <laughs> would have given given his blessing for us to go out and play golf and and think of him and and uh, yeah. But it was tough. But what were we going to say? I was going to say you used. We were talking about professional yeah. playing, playing with professionals. But when Shane oh, went through yeah, that extended yeah. period where he wasn't allowed to play, yeah, yeah. Uh, I put my hand up. You put your hand up. <laughs> <laughs> the luckiest MG. How's this? The luckiest uh, man in Australia. Shane Warne rings up and goes, "Hey, mate, I'm not allowed to go to a cricket ground or a cricket club. How do you feel about coming down and letting me bowl to you?" Yeah, and I next? said, "Yeah." And how? I mean, that's every. I, I said, "Mate, I'm busy." <laughs> <laughs> tell, yeah. us, tell us about that experience. Uh, it was it, it was in the nets. Uh, it was with myself and Russell Gilbert, and uh, we oh, turned wow. up. We put the and it was just and it was just the three of us. Yeah. And he, um, it was funny because when he he comes in so simply, and when the ball gets about a meter away from you in the air, you can hear. You can hear it ripping through the air. And then I started laughing because I knew it could do one of ten things. Up, down, <laughs> left, right, all over. And you're just going, oh, this is like a magic trick. And I, I, and I had the sweetest feeling because I leant forward, I closed my eyes, and I swung the bat, and I hit it, and I heard Shane Warne go, Shot, Glenny. So, you know, <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that, you know. And I went on to win the Ashes for Australia and uh, the rest is history. But there you go. But, yeah, good man. It yeah. is fantastic. Now, you've taken umbrage of the story that I – because he – I told a story recently. Yeah, and yeah you're, you're, dining, going, you're dining out on my stories. <laughs> no. uh, yeah. yeah. Shane Wall came up and I told everyone you're a personal friend and about the time you got invited around to dinner. Yes. And you thought it was going to be, uh, you know, Liz yeah. Hurley and it like a dinner party. It was Liz Hurley. It was, she was there. Yeah, she was well, there. you thought it was going to be this like five-course degustation mm. and you're all going to sit around. <sighs> and what was it? He, 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 he microwaved some baked beans. No, he didn't microwave baked beans. And sat at the kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is embarrassing. 
embarrassing for me. This never happened. I don't know what, what, what's going on here. What happened was, you're mixing up your stories. What happened was, he had Liz around there and he invited me around for Chinese food, which is a fun night. So I go to my wine locker and go, do I take the expensive bottle of wine? <laughs> Or do I take the El Cheapo one? Yes. Because I'm thinking the $150 bottle of wine with Chinese food really? is a bit stupid. No, so I'll take the, the cheaper one. I get around to his house. I swear this is true. I get around to his house and there must have been 50 paparazzi there. Out the front. Out the front. I get out and I go, oh, no, the world's going to see I'm carrying a cheap bottle of wine. <laughs> So I put the what was what sort of wine was it? I can't remember. You know, I put the bottle of wine. I tuck it under my arm. I put my head down like a rugby player, and I, I run into the pack. Glenny, 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 what's going on? Where are you going? Where are you going? Oh, what's the wine? What's the wine? Okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it, guys. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Anyway, the next day, the papers are in it, and I'm getting radio stations from around the country ringing. What sort of wine was it, Glenn? What sort of wine was it? So if you're going to be a cheapskate, don't, do it. don't be a cheapskate when Shane Warne or anyone like that is around. I remember that rugby scrum, and I'll tell you my favourite memory of that, and it was uh, on the eve of Liz Hurley arriving, had all the world's press were camped out the front, and Warney was ensconced in his Brighton mansion, and there's got big gates. So all the press is out the front, and I swear this is true, the day before she arrived, he had delivered to his front door a new double mattress. <laughs> so the mattress had to come in, all, oh. every, all the photographers were taking oh. photos, oh. and I just went to myself, Wardy. I mean, I knew he was a fan of the drop-in pitch. <laughs> but that... <laughs> well, I know, I know he dropped it in, and he came in from the northern end. Anyway... <laughs> So I think Tony Gregg did a picture report. Glad. Thank you for coming in. I love no, you. I don't know. Why, why am I here? What, what am I meant to do? Am I meant to do a sport report or we, something? We, we want you to be you. a part of this program. Yeah. yeah. Okay. For some reason, a cultural icon. Okay. I'll get, get to the good bit soon. A national treasure. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we love yeah, you. Strain of the year. Oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Somehow related with Dave O'Neill, yeah, one of my favourite podcasts. Uh, give it a run. Have you, have you got a latest episode? Is there something? I can't. I do them. I forget. You know, I have so many things going on, Mick. You know. I have. Seriously. Latest one. Too much time on the golf course for you. Yeah, yeah. All right, thanks, thanks, guys. See ya. Bye, bud. One of the biggest shows of the year is doing the rounds right now, and we're talking about maths, uh, oh, rightly yeah. or wrongly. Uh, this thing is a behemoth uh, that has captured the imagination of uh, most Australians, or a lot of Australians. It says a lot about us as a people and where we're going. Uh, but the whole genre of reality TV, and we're, we're actually going to take your calls on maths uh, very shortly because uh, I couldn't be bothered watching it, uh, but I want to hear all about it. And uh, Owen, I believe, here on the program, he's a devotee. So he loves it. He can lay it out for us um, and we can ex- put it up on blocks and examine what the hell's going on over there. Is this season as good as the others? You get to call in. It'll be fun, but... MG, something has come across my desk. And if you think uh, we're drowning in a sea of reality TV, uh, wait till you get a load of what's going on in the US. There's a new show over there, which is horrifying, even the US audience, and it's called Milf Manor. Uh, Now, if you need me to put any more meat in the bone, I don't think I need to. It sounds like a house full of milfs. But there is a twist. Can we go to... The promo, and then we'll come back, MG, and you can fill us in. Life has given me some curveballs. I think it's my time to find love. I want to date younger men. I'm as sexual as I was in my teens. 
all the minutes. I'm ready to connect with somebody who doesn't really care how old I am. This is a perfect place to find love. Yeah. I'm more of a it. I'm more of a fan of I'm more of a fan of Doof Mansion, which is where men just hitting on their babysitters. So <laughs> it's Mil it's Milfs uh, sitting around hitting on kids. What could go wrong? Is there anything else I need to to know about? Well, they're calling MG. it the most. They're calling it the most disgusting show ever made. Um, well, that sounds quite feasible to me. Well, I don't. Th- I don't see anything wrong with it. I, I know when I was in my you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, my my friends' mothers were were most attractive. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a little bit different. This is this is fascinating insight into the. This mind is of eight uh, eight fifty odd year, uh, ladies um, going to right. this island, and they're trying to find young love. Um, the reveal is, but when they pull back the curtain, it's each of these women's son is one of the contestants. So what happens is, the milf what? and her son have a room together. And then one of the in one episode, the milf, one of the milfs trying to get onto one of the boys, and then says, "Come back to the room." And the, the, she shares a room with a son. It's it's kind of one of them car crash shows where you just can't get. It's kind of my guilty pleasure at the moment. All right, okay. It sounds uh, <laughs> even by reality standards it's, a bit tawdry. I'll tell you the there. worst. I'll tell you the worst one I ever heard of. And there was one in England. It lasted one show, and it got howled off. Uh, but basically, a girl came out, and they lined up eight men, and she had to work out over the course of the show who her <sighs> biological father was. I saw that. And so there'd be one guy there who looks like he sleeps at a bus stop, and she's <laughs> praying it's not him. And he's standing next to a guy who's got a briefcase and a suit and drives a Mercedes. He's him, and then one by one, they revealed not to be her father. And that even, <laughs> even reality viewers went, no, not no. on, that is... Terrible behaviour. We've all yeah, that was, got that was, one. That was that called "Who's watched. Your Daddy." That was called "Who's Your Daddy." Mm. Who's your daddy? Okay. The other one, uh, which was probably wouldn't get a run today, was something about Miriam. Oh, Do you remember oh, something oh, about that. Miriam? And the thing about Miriam was uh, she turned out to be a man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty big <laughs> crying game style reveal for one lucky winner um, who's otherwise uh, unaware. So that. Uh, was one which pushed the boundaries as well. We were talking about this off air. Do you do you recall the very first ever uh, reality show? What do you think it is? Oh, it's it's. We went back to um, Big Brother, but there was one before that in the late eighties well, or early nineties. Well, wasn't you there? guys are responsible for it. I'm going to go with Sylvania Waters. And yep, I think that's Sylvania the one. Waters is the first time on TV you can probably go. Where well, I remember watching it going. Who the hell will ever watch this? I oh, know. It's just a bunch of dicks fighting. <laughs> have you got a grab there? Of course can- I do. For God's sake, he can have a bloody birthday Of course party. he can, but he's just saying that they're all going to bring friends and there's going to be bloody a million people here. We haven't got the room. Of course we haven't got the room. He's not stupid. Well, you heard what he just said, no? <laughs> <laughs> that has aged very well, by the way. I'd watch that again uh, tomorrow. We're going to keep talking about reality TV. One triple three five three. Have we missed anything? Have you got a favourite? Tash joins us uh, as we drag her down to our level. Level <laughs> once again. Be a great contestant on Milf Island, or is it Milf Manor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Hi, can't hear Tash. No. I've got to do the news. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you'd do anything to scramble out of this segment, wouldn't you? We're talking about reality TV. There's a new one, Milf Manor, coming, and we go, have we scraped the bottom of the barrel? Yes, we'll get to maths uh, shortly. Uh, We were talking about a couple during the break, MG. Uh, Best funeral you're a fan of? Yeah, there's one called The Best Funeral Ever. We'll play a bit of audio in a second, but I'll set it up for you. These, um, yeah. What they do, they, they give an elaborate uh, last funeral. This episode features a deceased former bowler whose family members remember her by sending her casket down the bowling alley for one last strike. <laughs> 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 well, have we got some audio? Yeah. Play that. When let us know you can have breakfast in the morning. <laughs> it's like Eddie Murphy coming uh, to America. And I hope George Pell's funeral is similar to that one. That would be a load of fun. You may as well lighten up the mood a bit because it's agree. all getting a bit tense over there. And just to show that people will listen to absolutely anything and nothing is off the table. Cat, uh, could we hear a little bit from Van- Vanilla Ice Goes Amish? <laughs> Vanilla Ice has a brand new project. You I'm going Amish. You never in a million years would I think I would do this. New town. Talk about an adventure. This is going to be exciting. Giddy up, cowboy. Oh. <laughs> stay in your lane. Just rip you, off Queen and, Queen and Eddie and, and David Bowie. Come on. You can't make this stuff up. Jason's on the line. Jason, uh, what's a big plank in the reality uh, program for you? Uh, I'd have to say back in the day, I think it was the 2000 Big Brother with uh, Lisa Marie doing the bum dance every time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. uh, that was back when uh, Big Brother was good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, now, you know when Big Brother was good, and I'll be honest with this, I, I really liked it, when they gave them absolutely nothing to do. Yes. When they bored them shitless and left them in a room until they turned on each other and climbed the walls, next thing you know, they're giving them tasks and having a Friday night games night. looked like quite fun in there. Yeah. Uh, but when they drove them mad, wow, that was fun to watch. Interesting note, Big Brother is considered largely the Big Daddy or the, the original one yeah. that broke through. This was this came. You, you won't believe this, but the whole idea for Big Brother came from a pub in Northern England, right? Where outside the pub, all the guys used to watch a badger hole to see if a badger would poke its head out. And they, I'm, I'm not making this up. So they would they would stand at the back of a pub, watch the watch the badger hole, and, and eventually a badger would poke its head out. And they all think that was great. In in the end, they decided they wanted a drink, so they put a camera on the badger hole, went <laughs> went inside, and were drinking in the pub, but would watch on CCTV a, oh, a shot wow. of the a shot of the badger hole, uh, and just constantly wait to see if the badger appeared. Producers went, if people will watch this, yeah. <laughs> if people will hang around to see if a badger sticks its head out of a hole, they will watch anything. Uh, and that was the origin of one of the greatest bohemoths in reality history. Now, Dave's got a good point here, and one of our own nearly got ahead of the curve. Dave, what was the show for you? Uh, it was Andrew Denton's House of Hell. Oh. Andrew Denton's House of Hell. Now, how close in concept was this and predated Big Brother. Andrew Denton, if you remember, could have actually had the rights to the biggest show. Oh, it, my memory was Andrew Denton was first to the well. 
and had house of hell, which was a bunch of people living in the one house getting on each other's nerves to the point where uh, it became untenable. This concept went on to become the biggest in the world. I'm sure that's of great comfort to Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) As he watches Big Brother every night at home. Renee's on the line. Renee, what was the game show for you? Uh, It was called Man Oh Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. um, Back in the 90s, uh, 94, and then it came back in 97. And as a a teenager at an all-girls school, we found out our male science teacher was a contestant. Yeah, I'm going to correct MG. It was on Channel 7. And it used to be a bunch of contestants, and one by one they got pushed into a pool, and the last one standing was the winner. And I used yeah. to think it would be would have been a much better show if there was no water in that pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would watch that. You brought my attention to a show, AMG, The Swan. What's The Swan? Well, The Swan is about a series of ordinary women, basically, who uh, butcher their faces to try and be um, beauty queens. uh, This is the audio. I'll tell you what happens after the audio. Amy came to us saying that she felt like a loser. Dr. Hayworth, she was very cruelly told that she had a face for radio. I mean, what would you say to that today? Well, all I can say is despite the fact that she underwent a number of very difficult surgical procedures, she today is saying, look at me now. That is yeah. hurtful. A face for radio, how dare they? Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's a, basically I, they're, they're put through a three-month <laughs> makeover for all the chance to become beauty queens. Each week, two contest, uh, contestants that get to go, go under the knife, but only one will be right. judged beautiful enough to move on to the pageant. So it's, it's bullshit, really. You and me should do that. Face for radio. <laughs> Mickey we and radio. Well, 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 let's go and get a makeover. Aaron, who's calling in, we're talking about favourite reality TV shows. Uh, what was yours, mate? Uh, it's a knockout. It's Sally McDonald. Oh, it's Billy a Joe Smith. Yeah. Now, is that a re- is that a game show or is reality game show? Well, what two people trying to knock each other off a grease pole with a pillow <laughs> is, is a reality? That's that's <laughs> everyday reality behaviour, is it? You know, Aaron, my favourite was it's a royal knockout. Do oh, you remember yes. that? Yes, so, I do remember that, Lynn. Yeah, very much. Prince so, Edward. Man. Prince Edward decided to start his own production company, and his first. I kid you not. His first rollout was It's a Royal Knockout, and it had members of the royal family like running in and jumping and, and doing all those tasks, trying to get across a pool. And it lasted a week. There was such yeah. an outcry, and I don't think he's ever been a working royal since Prince Edward. Uh, that's how that one goes. All right, the big one on deck oh, yeah. at the moment is nine are rolling out maths. You've got to get out of the way of this thing. It is enormous. Uh, I've tried to talk someone on air on this team into watching the show. They just refuse, hands down. Uh, One of our producers, though, Owen, has taken a bullet for the team. Owen, you've been watching the first couple of episodes. Uh, Is it shaping up? Is it as good as as the previous series? Yes, I think it is. It's one of those shows that every year you're like, surely it can't get any better, and I think (laughs) this year is going to be better. Who do we need to watch? Who's the villain? What's going on? Uh, talk us through it. Um, so one of the main couples. So this week is all the weddings. So it's the first week every, you're getting to know everyone. Some are going okay. on honeymoons, a couple of weddings. Overnight, we had Adam and Janelle. So Adam, okay. and, Adam and Janelle, there was a bit of friction around what he does uh, for work. Janelle wasn't too happy with it. I think we got some of it here. Over in the UK, me and my mates started up a competition business. Like it's online, they have like cool prizes and stuff like TVs. In Asian culture, 
Your career is part of your identity. And I feel like with Adam, I don't know exactly what his career is. Do you have any stream of income? Yeah, like I've obviously <laughs> got that stream of income I've got. Oh, so you're still earning income from it now? Yeah, I'm still earning income from okay. that now because my mate's over there now. He's still looking after it for oh, us and stuff. Okay. Yeah. What, are you, you, you worried that I don't have money or something like that? Is that it? Oh, Pinocchio, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you are a high-powered businessman, you're probably not going to take uh, two months off to do maths, <laughs> I would have thought. So exactly. exactly. The answer's inherent. Uh, they're a couple to watch. Uh, he's, in, he's in a bit of strife. She yep. wants answers. She expects uh, a, a bit of a heavyweight, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's just straight to the point. I guess you don't have that dating sort of wedding days when you find out about uh, each other. Sure. All right. What else have we got, mate? Um, so we've got Jesse and Claire as well. So Jesse, they got married earlier in the week and he starts off the show listing his icks. So if you don't know your icks are stuff <laughs> that you don't like, pet peeves. He has, a, he has a long list of them. And a couple that stand out are mirror selfies, uh, horoscopes and crystals were his top two. And what happens yeah. at the start of the wedding? They sit down for their first meal and Claire asks Jesse, what's your star sign? Oh, no. And then about five <laughs> minutes later, she pulls out of her bra a crystal and starts giving to him as a gift because it means so much to her. Oh, they know that... what they're doing, <laughs> yeah, these producers. That's <laughs> no accident. They have uh, come to the table. Is there any other clips you you, you think are worth listening to? Well, I actually wouldn't mind going back to Adam and Janelle. So in, oh, okay. So Jeez. just quickly. So Adam, in his vows, right? Bold move, if you ask me said he's made mistakes in the past. There's a bit of back and forth with the family thinking, is it prison? And the brothers confront <laughs> the brothers confront Adam. Okay. You know, you said you've made mistakes in the past. Like, do you mind sharing, like, exactly yeah, yeah, what I can, it was? I can tell you this, mate. So some of the stuff in my vows I was talking about is I had a relationship, I was engaged. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah, this was about eight, nine years ago. I actually did in that relationship. That is alarming, to say the least. <laughs> when times get tough, who's to say you won't do it to my sister? You don't have to worry about me ever hurting your sister or like cheating on your sister or anything like that because what I say, my words mean more to me than 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 anything. Yeah, man. Oh, that's yeah. right. Uh, that's Give reality. Bold strategy to bring that up in the vows, personally. <laughs> yeah. All right. Stuff. Uh, maybe uh, if you've been watching it, give us a call. If you can't stand it, give us a call. If you want to go out and quietly just disappear, <laughs> give us a call. One two three five three. Calls still flooding through about <laughs> reality shows and maths as well. There's a few guilty pleasures. Hear your take on maths, uh, particularly. Uh, as it is the biggest reality bohemoth in Australia. Lisa's on the line. Lisa, uh, what say you? Big fan? How are you guys? Um, no, absolutely not. I absolutely <laughs> okay. hate the show. And, but I put it on in the background just to annoy myself somewhat some days. <laughs> it's that terrible. I don't even know how it still continues. All right. Well, what do you like? What do you like? What's right up your alley in the reality TV show department? Well, back in the day, it used to be a show called Rock of Love with Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels, of course, was the lead singer of Poison. Is it Poison? It was Poison, yeah. And what was it about that? What was it? Oh, there was a lot of Vaseline on the lens back then. Um, he wore his red bandana, but that's because he was going bald at the time and he wouldn't take it off. And there was all these ladies that would come in and basically fight to be his girlfriend. And that oh, was wow. the premise of the show. It was great. Oh. Wow. Was I, great. 
I know that feeling. It's often <laughs> like seagulls <laughs> squabbling over a chip. I Why have you got it. your bandana on today for, Mickey? What, what are you worried about? <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Sport Report. Usman Khawaja will finally join his Australian teammates in India today. His visa was reportedly finally approved by Indian authorities late last night following a two-day delay that left him stranded in Australia. Yeah, and to bring us up on the speed of what uh, Tash had to tell us in the news, um, part of our Triple M family, Brad Haddon joins us. Hads, what's the latest with Uzi, my man? Hey, going, MG? Welcome to Sydney, Mick. Um, Thanks, yeah, Brad. Uzi's uh, the standoff's over. Uzi's paperwork's been stamped and approved, and he's uh, on the flight now from Melbourne to India. So uh, I actually thought the conspiracy theory was he's trying to play the Sixers for the, the Heat. So I thought he was trying to stay a couple more days. I thought the reason they wouldn't allow him into the country was because of the Valua suit he wore to the. Uh, Alan Border medal. I they said, "There's no way you're bringing that into the country." Uh, what's this all about? It was a, it was like a 48-hour news cycle. And is it any accident uh, that he happens to have the highest batting run rate for Australia at the moment? Did that factor into uh, their decision not to allow him into the country? Well, as you both know, a lot of weird things happen when you have a uh, tour of India. We've seen so much drama over the years. So I actually wouldn't put anything past them. And I thought it's a really good point with the Daktari you had on the other night at the, um, <laughs> the awards. It's a very, very good reason uh, not to let him in the country. <laughs> that would be <laughs> that's de- that deportation time, really, isn't it? But it's not the first time for Aussie. Back in 2011, it happened to him as well with the, uh, the, the 2020 Champions League, wasn't it, Hads? Yeah, it is. It's uh, not the first time. Obviously, uh, yeah, the, the paperwork, uh, they really don't want him in the country. So, yeah, it's good that it's got it all sorted. Uh, Aussie won't be too stressed about it. He misses a couple of days uh, training in the in India. Um, so I, I think he'll be quite content just to sit up there in first class and enjoy his uh, trip over there, not having to listen to Marnus the whole way. Will he get there in time to put in a proper, thorough preparation for what traditionally is a fairly gruelling tour? Yeah, he will. And I think that there's been a lot of talk uh, about not playing a tour game, but I actually think it makes a 100% sense not playing one because in the past we've, we've played the tour games in, in India. They've, they've given us five medium paces and, and a green wicket for the tour game. Um, then you come and play the first test and, and all of a sudden you, you've got five spinners and, and no grass on the wicket and <laughs> turning from day one. So I, I think his preparation will be spot on. What's the prediction, uh, Hads? What's the prediction, Hads? I think it's going to be a tough tour. Um, I think, um, as you know, there's going to be a lot of drama and a lot of theatre behind it. But I think we're in a good position to to, to knock the Indians off. Um, I don't think they've been playing great cricket leading into this. Um, I know they come up for the series against us, but I think if we can start well in this first Test match, I can see a 2-1 victory to the Aussies. Oh, yeah. Uh, Steve Smith running into some good form and he has played well over there in the past. Can I just ask you, is there any precedent? We're talking about Kawaja not being allowed in for because of visa reasons. Is there any precedence? I remember Ben Stokes wasn't a, didn't come out on an Ashes tour because of possible criminal charges. Was Did that happen from the Australian end or was that from the English end? Mate, that makes sense. He punched someone from behind. Why would they let him in? <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> well, I, yeah, no. I totally understand. And, and what I like is uh, the, the the English have a, have a tradition of sending their convicts out here. So I, I thought for that reason alone, he he, he might have got a berth. Well, I, I reckon he's lucky to be allowed back in England. But uh, mate, he's all the rage at the moment. He's captain the year in the in the Test team. So, man, mate, I'm very very surprised that they let Ben Stokes in. But how quick things can change. There it is, uh, Brad. Thanks for your time today. We're going to be watching this one, and we'll probably check in from time to time over the course of what is going to be a fascinating Test series. I can't wait. This is still when it comes to Tests. Now we've kind yep. of been reduced to the Ashes. And India v Australia uh, after the introduction of the two-day test over summer, uh, which I'm <laughs> sick of. So I think we we are going to have a genuine contest. Uh, thanks for your time today, Brad. No worries. Enjoy your work. See you, boys. See you, Hads. Well, I've gone on record of saying that I think the new uh, the new roster for the Bulldogs will get them into the top eight. Well, yesterday that was confirmed because the the dogs of war. Um, a young bloke called Josh Reynolds at 33 years of age has earned himself a top 30 berth at his beloved Bulldogs after a train and trial period uh, rewarded him with a, a contract for this season. Um, he last played for the Dogs in 2017, but I think what Josh Reynolds does, he depicts the determination and heart that Cameron Serrato will want from all of his players this year. And this is what happened yesterday after training with Josh. There he is, boys. Josh Reynolds. That's his new locker because he's now in the top 30. Yeah! I obviously appreciate all you boys for helping me through it and over my days where I'm feeling every bit of 33, but <laughs> it's, it's massive for me and I love, it. I love being here and I, and I love, love this crew. Thanks. Fantastic player, Mickey. He's one of them guys who you want, you want in your trenches. Um, yeah. This is on the, onto the NBA. Well, unbelievably, and the, the debate will always rage. Who's the uh, who's the goat in the yeah. NBA? Well, the young guys think this guy is, but us older guys, Mickey, probably think Michael yeah, Jordan still is. Yeah. Um, LeBron James is now just eighty nine points away. About that's two or three games away from surpassing <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's. Yeah. NBA all-time leading point scoring of 38,387. The record should go down probably next Tuesday when the Lakers host OKC. The tickets, listen to this, courtside tickets for the occasion are expected to fetch up to 75,000 US dollars. Unbelievable. That is the hottest ticket in town. People say that a lot, but if that's the going rate, that's that's a moment in sporting history and you'll pay for it. 100%. 100%. Finally, while overseas, uh, Tom Brady, with a sense of self-awareness and a quiver in his voice, the GOAT Tom Brady announced his retirement from the NFL for the second time. Um, 43, uh, 45-year-old, 23 seasons, seven Super Bowls. He's won. He's been to 10. This is how he announced it last night. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record let you guys know first so I uh, won't be long-winded like you only get one super emotional retirement essay and I used mine up last year so uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream I wouldn't change a thing love you all Wow. He would. He'd, have, he'd say, you can please yourself, come back. That's what he changed. Just oh, well, he, he, it's cost him a fair bit, to be honest, that one year. Yeah? A, a Brazilian supermodel and former wife. Uh, 
You know what they said to him? They said if you have to, he had to give one of his rings back, and he went, "All right, wedding ring." <laughs> that was how <laughs> that went down. Report! Report! I'd like to report a crime. Making MJ's crime report. An Illinois woman accused of stealing one point five million dollars worth of chicken wings <laughs> has made the papers. Over a, it's unbelievable, has a lot of chicken wings. An Illinois woman accused of stealing $1.5 million in chicken wings over two years from a school district was discovered after an audit revealed the district was hundreds of thousands of dollars over budget despite being only halfway through the school year. Man, I, why do I su- <laughs> suspect Matt Preston's involved? <laughs> He's the only one I know who could account for $1.5 million worth of chicken wings. That's a dollar a wing at my pub. That's a lot of chicken wings. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a lot. How many do you need? She's a chicken wing mogul. I just see her at a table with a big pile of chicken wings like Scarface <laughs> at the end of the movie. The dirty bird. Right. She's working for... She's working for Colonel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> that is a mad... I mean, I like... Don't get me wrong, I like chicken wings. But $1.5 million. <laughs> that is an extraordinary uh, amount of food, an extraordinary crime. Uh, I love it. Have you got an example of a, for the crime report for us, RMG? I know. I, uh, I haven't got the... I haven't got a, an example, but I know myself. Look, this is, this is me. Um, yeah. When, when I was... I've got to put my hand up here and make a little confession. I was a, I was a bit of a serial thief in my younger what? days. Oof. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I, it all started when I was um, in year six at, at primary school. We went away and yeah. got billeted up in uh, Queensland. And you know the yo-yos we used to have, the, the Fanta, the Pepsi, and then the Coke yo-yo. Absolutely, the everyone Everyone does, wanted the yeah. Coke one. Everyone wanted yeah. it. So the billet we had in Brisbane had one of the Coke yo-yos, and I only had this bodgy fan of one so just as we're about to get in the car and go to the airport so i went and got the yo-yo and put it in my bag next minute this young kid who's billing us out started crying and said dad my yo-yo's not here i've quickly realized that i'm going to get busted here so i've ran i said i need to go to the toilet before we go to the airport he goes okay quick hurry up i've bolted in put the yo-yo behind the toilet and then jump back in the car as I'm doing this, the dad has walked into the toilet and come out with the yo-yo. He said, did you put this behind the butt? So, so I'm crying. The kid's crying. I've knocked <laughs> off a yo-yo. I, I, got, I got busted. And it kind of led to a life of crime until I, was, uh, until, until I woke up to myself. The great yo-yo robbery. That yes. should be a mini-series. <laughs> yeah. That's like an underbelly. <laughs> That's an underbelly style series. Man, I remember the first time. I was no good of a thief. I used to give myself away. I was very young and living in Canberra. It was quite cold in the mornings. So I'd go into a milk bar, I'd take my gloves off and stuff 10 packets of Lifesavers <laughs> down, down, down the gloves. And then, in a master criminal fashion, would walk straight out the front door and then retrieve them inside of everyone. And uh, off we go. Now, that resulted in my very first trip to school in the back of a police car. Oh. Uh, and... Uh, there were many more to follow, but that <laughs> was the first and the best. Uh, I, I love stupid crime. There's so many yep. examples. There's the, the man who, who robbed a, uh, a service station wearing drawn-on sunglasses. <laughs> he's, he's one of my favourites. <laughs> there was the guys 
who tried to rob an ATM uh, by putting it on their tow bar, and as they drove off, uh, the back bumper came off with their license plate. <laughs> <laughs> what about the bloke last year in, uh, I think, one suburb here in Sydney? He, he filled his car up and went to pay it, and he was nude, in the nude. Just no gear on. Went to they had Starkers. <laughs> it's all it's paid by Cheech and Chong. There's an episode of Crime Stoppers I'd like to see. Uh, <laughs> what about the guys who robbed a pharmacy, but they, they took all the sleeping pills before they left? <laughs> so the cops turned up. There's two criminals asleep on the floor. That is as good as it gets. I love this stuff. Just chatting about reality TV shows and ones that you two have been invited on in the past. Oh, can I tell you straight off the bat, I was invited to be on a, I think it was Channel 9, a show called Celebrity Overhaul, where they basically get you in and beat you into shape and you have to, like, lose weight and all that stuff. I said, wow, thanks for the call. Thanks for thinking of me. And then I said, how long is this series? They said, eight weeks. I said, you won't even touch the sides, you idiots. Come back. And, of course, the other was Dancing with the Stars, which I said I would only do if I could do the nut bush. Um, oh, so we're, we're still on a standoff. What about you, MG? Yeah, I was, I was with the Dancing with the Stars too, but I wanted to do the, uh, the barn dance, and they wouldn't let me do that. So. Um, <laughs> the birdie dance. Look, I, I, about over 10 years ago, there was a, um, a concept of celebrity survivor, and... They come to me with a package and, you know, I, I looked at it and I said, okay, that could be there for three months and blah, blah, blah. You'd be good on but, that. Yeah, I, I know. But at the time, I, I was an ambassador for Advanced Hair Studios. Um, and part of that laser therapy that I was getting would be I'd, every time I'd go out, I'd put a little bit of dark powder in my hand with some strengthener <laughs> to make my hair look thicker. And the first thing yes. I thought about was being in the jungle in water and then coming out of the water and then seeing my, the, the donut in the back of my head. Or the Devon. So basically, I turned down. I turned down Celebrity Survivor because I didn't want to see my fry tuck at the back of my. Head. <laughs> oh wow! You learn a little bit more about you every day, and I always love it. Uh, interesting story. Survivor was Mark Burnett's. Now Mark Burnett's one of the kings of the reality format. Yeah. Uh, Apprentice, Celebrity Apprentice is his. Uh, Survivor is his. The race around the world was his. Uh, the Voice, I think, was his, and Shark Tank was his. And I read his wow. book because I'm fascinated about producing. And his background, listen to this. This will fascinate you. His background, he was SAS. He was English SAS. And what, when he came up with the original concept, they did this thing when they were training the boys in Scotland is where the head of SAS is. And they pulled him into his office one day and they said, all right, mate, uh, Gave me a picture of a guy, and they said, see this guy? Uh, tomorrow night in London, he's conducting an orchestra at the Albert Hall. You need to get his signature on the back of this piece of paper, and you've got 24 hours to do it. Here's £10. So as part of their training, and it's to find out how resourceful you are, how you can scramble on the run, how you can talk people into doing stuff, he had to find a way. He, he, he hopped on a train. He talked to... Uh, cab driver into doing something without paying for money. He got billeted it out of the house. He ended up there. He waited backstage, got in through the stage door, and eventually ended up in the dressing room when this guy came off stage wow. uh, and said, I need you to sign this piece of paper. And that was where he came up with the original idea that, you know what? There's something interesting and resourceful in this kind of behavior. <laughs> and parlayed that into Survivor, 
um, which went on to become the biggest show uh, in the world at the time. So maybe I'll talk Mark Burnett into seeing if he can get you back on. Uh, Hair or no hair? (laughs) No hair. Yeah. Nick Malloy, MG in the morning.